0: Enjoy. Hey, I want to welcome all you who are joining us online, and I want to say a special welcome to all you who are joining us from our Oak Creek Franklin campus, to which today you just experienced your first baptisms as a campus. Uh, I I just want to say this, every baptism, every baptism story that that I hear, I, I just get emotional about it because it's such a sacred step for anyone to take. And the fact that that we get to be a part of that journey with you and that God allows that, uh, that is just once again, sacred stuff. And so we are so proud of you and uh, we love what God is doing there. And we really look forward to just hearing more stories of people taking steps in their faith journey, especially the step of baptism. And so huge props, we love you and look forward to hearing more from you. Well, I wanna begin by asking you a question that has nearly 12 billion searches on Google. How do you live your best life now? If we were all for coffee, not Starbucks, I'm not a Starbucks guy, but we're all for coffee and you are going to be 100% transparent with me. No fear of me thinking anything less of you, which I wouldn't anyways, okay? And I asked you that. What would your answer be? Google answered with the top five ways to live your best life now. You wanna know what their answers are? All right, here they are, in order. Here we go. First one, live in the present moment. Two, do things you love. The next one, take care of your mental and physical health. The next one, build and repair meaningful connections. And then the last one, set healthy boundaries with yourself. There you go, right from Google. Now, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, I think most of us would look at those answers and say, yeah, I'm pretty good with all of those. It sounds good to me. But let me ask you another question. How do you know those things would give you your best life now? The reason I ask you this is because we all know people who actually came close to that kind of life or they seem to have it all together, but it wasn't enough. They were not just happy. Some of them were even miserable. I want you to think about Tom, Brady, and Giselle for a minute. Let's look at, at the list just kind of through their filter. Live in the present moment, check. Do things you love. Well, I think they both talk openly about their careers being their passion, and so that's a check. Take care of your mental, mental and physical health. From what we know, I think we'd say check there. Build and repair meaningful connections. Brady actually talks about who his close friends are and how important they are, so I think we'd say check. And here's the last one, set healthy boundaries with yourself. Yeah, there may be some questions here, but here's what we know. They're both healthy, free to do whatever they want, but it wasn't enough to keep their family together. Final question, and you've probably never been asked this before. How did you arrive at those answers? You know, whether you agree with Google or you have different answers, you didn't just come up with your answers randomly. There are outside influences that are influencing your answer. How did you come up with your answers? Here's what's true about every single one of us. All of us want to live our best life now, but we really don't know which path will actually lead us there. Today, we're beginning a brand new series called Against the Grain, where we're gonna look at a path That will actually lead us there, but it goes against the grain of the path of what most of us think will get us there. Now, I'm going to tell you more about the series closer to the end of my message today and why you are going to want to go on this journey with us that will lead us into Easter. Today, what I want to do is I want to set things up. And how I want to do that is I want to look at some of the things that are influencing our answers to the question, how do you live your best life now? The way I'm going to do this is by giving us a short history lesson. Now, some of you just got out your phone and started doing the wordle of the day, okay? But I realized that, and I realized that most of us, we don't even think about this, but this is important. Because it's not only influencing how we see our life and what makes us happy, if you have kids, it's all also influencing how they see their lives. So it gives us a filter that will help us understand what is driving them. I wanna walk through Four stages of human history that have shaped how we see ourselves and what we think will make us happy. I'm just gonna tell you up front, I'm gonna gonna dump a lot on you. I want you to stay with me, and then I'm gonna bring it around at the end. The first stage is called the honor culture. Go way back to the, the biblical times, and the only thing that mattered for them was how you received honor, and it was done in one of two ways. If you were a man, the way you received honor is can you fight? And if you were a woman, was, can you have kids, mainly more men? If you read some of the stories in the Bible with this filter, you'll just see this time and time again. In the Old Testament, the story of Abraham and Sarah. So Sarah was not able to have children, and you just, you read about just how difficult this was for her. In the New Testament, there's Hannah, and she's crying out to God for children because they lived in an honor culture. And their identity and happiness is based on, could they produce children or could they fight? I want you to think about this for a minute. If you're a woman living during those times and you said to your other female friends, hey, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about opening a bakery on the corner downtown. People love the cupcakes that I make and I'm gonna hire a nanny to watch my kids so I can sell as many cupcakes as I can. It's gonna be huge. Now today, I would say go for it and I hope it's five minutes from my house. But people back then would have looked at you like you were crazy. Because the only thing that brought about honor to a woman back then was raising children. That was how they live their best life now. But then the culture began to shift. And we moved into this second stage. It's called the philosophical culture. Now there was a time where there were absolutes, and there were truths to be believed, and there were virtues to be lived. And the way you found your identity and happiness was in your thoughts and your reason and your self-restraint. And then came the cultural elites who lived out the four primary virtues that everybody esteemed as kind of being the model of living. Prudence, justice, courage, and temperance. So in an honor culture, you sacrifice the desires of yourself for the good of others. In this philosophy culture, you sacrifice your desire for the good of society. So you think and you reason and you help in that way but all this began to change around the 1700s. When we moved into this third stage, it's called the beauty culture. Suddenly, it was not so much about philosophy. It was about love and beauty and art and aesthetics. As a result, they believed that people were fundamentally good and society had corrupted them. So it was our job to go into the goodness of your hearts and express it externally to change society. I'm bringing beauty into the world for the benefit Of others. With the first three stages, I want you to take note of something. All three of these cultures are for someone else. Then a major shift began to happen. Somewhere around the middle of the 20th century and everything begins to change. Up to this point, there were two worlds that people had lived in. The first one was the world of the fables. It's like you lived your life based upon the mythology that was your people. The second world was faith that you lived your life based on what you believed about God and what God was doing in the world, I want you to catch this. Basically, you believe something was out there beyond you. Everything external points to the internal, and this is what influenced us, whether it be fables or faith. Then somewhere around the middle of the 20th century, a major philosophical shift happened. Up until that point, everything had been defined by how God feels about us. You know, many of our views were actually shaped by St. Augustine from the fourth century. You know, you may have heard of him before in history class. Well, Augustine famously said, we are made by God for God. When things go wrong in our life, it's when we confuse that and we love the wrong things or the right things in the wrong order. For example, it's not bad to love your job, but not more than your kids. Not bad to love your spouse, but not more than God, because that's when problems happen. Augustine would go on to say, it's not even bad to love sex. God created us as sexual beings and commanded us to increase and to multiply. But when sex becomes our pseudo-God that we look to for our identity and happiness, that's a disordered love and it can't satisfy your soul. In the words of pastor and author John Mark Homer, the body wants an orgasm, the soul wants more. Some of you just woke up. In other words, our identity and happiness were found in saying yes to the right desires and no to the lower ones. But slowly, a third world developed in the middle of the 20th century and it wasn't based on fables or faith. It was based on feelings. It now moved from internal to external. Now the goal of life is not to suppress your desires and conform to some external standards. You don't let God define you You define God, which moves us into this fourth and last stage, the authenticity culture. The West began to change from a culture of authority to a culture of authenticity. We used to find our identity and happiness from external authority structures like God or the Bible or traditions. But now, it's internal. In two words, my truth. A person who really helped move this idea forward was Sigmund Freud. Now, I'm no psychologist, but my psychologist friends tell me that, you know, even though he got some things right, he also got a lot more wrong. And yet many of his ideas have created the very cultural air we now breathe. Freud, he actually took the brakes off and he said, you just do whatever you want. Say yes to whatever you want, because the only thing that matters is your pleasure. That's where you will find your best life now. Now, we wouldn't say it like that today. You know, we say it like this, the heart wants what the heart wants, or follow your heart. You do you. You speak your truth. Be true to yourself. By the way, does anyone know where that that one comes from? Shakespeare's Hamlet. You remember the character? Don't worry, I didn't either. I had to look this one up. Polonius. It was the character known as the fool. As a result, happiness and identity have become about feeling good. The good life is about getting what we want. Look at this quote once again from John Mark Homer. Self is the new God, the new spiritual authority, the new morality. But this puts a crushing weight on self. One, it was never designed to bear. It must discover itself, become itself, stay true to itself, justify itself. Make itself happy. Perform and defend its fragile identity. As my Peloton instructor would say, validate your greatness. But what about the many days when we're not all that great? The pressure is exhausting. Cue the stats on burnout, anxiety, and mental health. This sums up the world we now live in and what's influencing us and our kids. We fast forward to today. And we ask the question, how do you live your best life now? Here's what's driving not only Google's answers, but ours as well. Anything that brings you pleasure. Let's go back to the answers that Google gave. Okay, let's go through them again. Live in the present moment. Live how? However you want. Do things you love. You know what that's code for? Whatever brings you pleasure. Take care of your mental and physical health. Now this is important. I mean, it's really important, but the focus can shift to us. Why? Just so we feel good about ourselves. Build and repair meaningful connections. What's meaningful? Whatever you determine, because you benefit. Finally, set healthy boundaries with yourself. I'm not even sure what this fully means, but I do know why it's written. So that you can, and then you just fill in the blank. How do we live our best life now? anything that brings you pleasure. You do what you want, when you want, however you want, as long as it brings you pleasure. You know, the irony with this path is that the more we live for ourselves and our pleasure, the more unhappy, empty, and unfulfilled we become. For example, we've talked a lot about just all the rise in the mental health-related statistics. There's been a ton of research coming out that is showing that many of, the, many of these rise in statistics are directly related to many of the aspects of the rise of the authenticity culture. You see, the reason this path isn't working is because this path is promising something it can't deliver. Your pleasure is not enough to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. To kick off our series, we're gonna look at a different answer to the question that will go against the grain of everything not only Google gave, but almost everything that is currently influencing us. And so what I wanna do is I wanna look at a few verses from the book of John. If you're new to the Bible, the book of John is written by John, one of Jesus' disciples, and he's writing an eyewitness account of some of his time with Jesus. We're gonna look at just a few verses in the first chapter. Some great stuff here about who Jesus is and who we are. Here's what John says. In the beginning was the word. And so he says, says the word, he's talking about Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word, listen to this, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now that phrase, in the beginning, John's audience would have immediately thought back to the very first words of the Bible. Here it is. Now notice the language. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 is the creation narrative. Now some of you are like, I don't believe that. Listen, the important part of the creation narrative account is not how it was created. It's who created. And John wants us to know that to understand who Jesus is, we need to go back to the beginning. Jesus was creating. How was he creating? The writer of Genesis tells us he's in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We get this picture of a of a planet and there's disorder and there's darkness and there's meaninglessness, but the Spirit of God is present in all of it, ready to create. Now keep this in mind as we go back to John, where John says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And so he says, through him all things were made. All things, you know what that includes? That includes you. That includes me. John is connecting the coming of Jesus to creation, which if you keep reading, you and I were a part of creation. Do you know what that implies? We're not accidents. We were made on purpose for a purpose. We were made by him and for him. John is then gonna take us a step further by giving us the answer to his version of how do you live your best life now? This verse right here is gonna drive the rest of our series. Here's what John says. In him was life in him or in Christ. Those two words are used over 150 times in the New Testament. And these, are, these words are so powerful. Here's what they mean. What is true of him is true of you. That Jesus's victories are our victories. That his power is our power. His freedom has become our freedom. Every single person has desires for happiness and pleasure and meaning and purpose. Those aren't bad things. Those are God given. But our story was never meant to be, you do you with those things, or I'm gonna let my desires define my story. Our story was always meant to be, we were masterfully created. So we were only fulfill those desires in the one who gave us those desires. In Christ, the creator of life, there is something more and beautiful and good and creative and compelling and meaningful that we were created for. What is true of his life is to be true of our lives. John then says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And light, once again, John was referring to the creation narrative. And here's what the creation narrative says. It says, and God said, let there be, there it is, light. And there was light. Light meant life. It meant good. So at creation, we see God looking at our planet, and it's nothing but chaos. And God starts speaking, and the mess turns into something amazing. And John says, hey, what God did in creating the world through Christ, that's the kind of life he wants to create in your life. But it's not found in you seeking pleasure for yourself. It's found in seeking something outside of yourself, the creator of pleasure. So what does life in him look like? How can we begin to experience more of that? Well, the answer to these questions is why we're doing the series. As we're going to discover, the answer Jesus gives is truly against the grain of what the authenticity culture is telling us. But as we'll see, it's the only answer that'll give us what we are truly searching for because it's the life we were created for. As we kick off our series, I wanna ask you to do a fill in the blank for me. And it actually comes from the words of John we just read. What would you put in the blank to this? In blank was life. How would you honestly answer that? Would you say in a relationship or in kids, money, stuff, comfort, early retirement, or maybe a substance. Here's the thing you need to know. You already have an answer to this. And your answer is what is driving your life. If you're not a Jesus follower, how would you answer that? Now, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong. I just wanna encourage you to ask yourself, is what I have in the blank working? Is it giving you life or are you longing for more deep in your soul? If you're a Jesus follower, how would you really answer that? You know, most of us, here's what we're doing we're trying to mix in a little bit of both. You follow Jesus, but anything that won't cause you immediate pleasure, you just don't do it. Do you know what you get when you do this? Not following Jesus. That's why for some of you, you're thinking, well, this just isn't working, this whole Jesus thing. And the reason it's not working is because that's not how following Jesus works. When we are willing to put Jesus in the blank and pursue him, we will discover a pleasure that we could never experience anywhere else because we are engaging in a journey where we are becoming who we are in Jesus. I've talked in the past about our cat, Buddy, before. Yes, I'm a cat person. Talk about going against the grain. I realize that. Well, at one time, Buddy was 26 pounds. But during the pandemic, Buddy started to to lose a bunch of weight. He got down to 12 pounds. And so we finally decided to take him to the vet And they gave him a series of tests. And it was through this test that they discovered that Buddy has a thyroid issue. And the vet told us if he wanted to keep living, we would have to give him two pills a day. So over the next few weeks, we tried a bunch of ways to give him the pills. And the only way that worked was we had to sit on Buddy, take a syringe with some water in one hand, a pill in the other, and then we had to just jack the pill down his throat and we had to spray then water from the syringe down his throat, hoping he would swallow it. And We did this a couple times like, he's never gonna make it, okay? We're not gonna be able to do this. And so here's what happened over these few weeks. We'd have to chase him down, and then we'd have to pick him up. We'd have to give him his pill. He hated it. One day it all changed. Donna and I are eating breakfast, and Buddy came over to Donna at breakfast to get his pill. And so Donna just sat down, sat on him, gave it to him. No fighting or chasing or anything. And now it's like clockwork. It's really kind of funny. 6 a.m. and 5 p.m. Buddy comes to us to get his pill. Are there times he resists still? Yeah, there is but is he feeling better and gaining weight? Yes. Now, Buddy doesn't know this, but the very thing that he resisted was the very thing that was giving him life. I want everyone to go on this journey with us over the next few weeks. We're gonna look at some of the teachings of Jesus that go against the grain of what most of us are being influenced with every single day that we were born into. It's why most of us, we don't naturally do these things. But just as Buddy did, we're gonna discover that the very things we tend to resist are the very things that give us life. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for just the invitation of Jesus that uh, we, in him, we can experience and discover life. And so Father, over the next few weeks, as we talk about some of the things that Jesus has invited us into to really begin to experience that, God, uh, we already acknowledge that They are gonna go against the grain for what we're used to and what we're influenced by. But I would pray God that your spirit would just open our hearts up to just those things. And no matter what we feel, no matter how difficult they are, that there would be an openness and a willingness to take some steps and uh, do some things against the grain. That we'd have the courage to do that because all these other things that we've tried, we just, it's like almost like just we keep running on a treadmill and we pick up the speed and we're just not going anywhere. But God is truly in him that we find life. And we want to begin to experience that. We want to discover that. And so, Father, we give you our lives over the next few weeks. I pray, God, in particular, that you would just do some amazing things and uh, steps would be taken, Uh, decisions will be made. And, Father, most of all, uh, the promise of John that in him, in Jesus was life, that we would begin to truly to understand and experience exactly what that means. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.